For some reason, everybody working in VBS is a little hoarse this week. <laughs> Would you join with me in prayer? Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's the same 10,000 years ago and 500,000 years from now. I thank you that your truth is truth. I just pray that you help us as we open up your word to open our hearts up to you. Fill us with your spirit. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, most of us at school at one point or another have played show and tell, right? You ever done show and tell? Remember show and tell? It's show and tell, right? The whole idea is you get up and you, you show them something that's interesting and then you tell them about it. You go, look, I found this frog in my parents' garden and I'm going to name him Kermit, but not why you think. Um, or or uh, you, you get up and somebody shows, says, here's a photograph of the birthday cake I had on, on my birthday this week and it was really cool. But it's show and tell. You don't want to just get up and show. You don't want to be the kid that just show and tell and some kid just holds up a frog and then sits down. You go, that's creepy. Don't be that kid. And you don't want to be the kid when they go, show and tell. And he goes, well, I wrote a report on frogs and just hands it out to everybody. That's too much telling, not enough showing. We want to do both, show and tell. Make it really interesting. Say something interesting, cool visual aid, right? Show and tell. That's VBS. Right? The whole point of Vacation Bible School is show and tell. We make the, the, the building look interesting because we want to engage the kids and immerse them in something interesting so that we can tell them. If all we did was show, then it would be showy. That's not what we're trying to do. If all we did is tell, then it would be talky and it would be boring. We want to do both. That's what being a Christian, that's what fancy words like evangelism mean. It's just saying, let me show you the truth that I want to explain to you. If all I do is show you niceness, you might walk away thinking I'm a nice person. And that's showy for me, and you might like me more, but it doesn't help you learn anything more about Jesus. If all I do is walk up to you and go, let me tell you about Jesus. Well, now I've just talked at you a lot. I preached at you, and it might come across the wrong way. The idea is that I speak truth, and I live it out. And I live it out, and I explain it. I want you to see Christ reflected in me. By what I'm telling you, you know it's Christ. And for what I'm showing you, you see Christ. Show and tell. But that's what we're learning in VBS this week, is to actively shine Jesus' light in the lives of people around us. In fact, maybe you VBS kids can help me with this. We learn these themes. When life seems dark, we should... Shine Jesus' light. When, when people just don't get along, we should shine Jesus' light into other people's lives and not, and not just let our hearts get darker along with theirs. When good things happen, we should shine Jesus' light and celebrate God both to one another and to praise God to himself. When people are sad, maybe we should shine Jesus' light and help each other see that God's light is always there even when things seem sad. And when people need help, maybe we should shine Jesus' light. Actively look for ways that we can be the, the hands and feet for Jesus here in this world and actually touch lives. In some ways, and I'm sure that sounds, or at least that can sound repetitive to adult ears. <laughs> you, know, so you just keep saying the same thing. It's not meant to be repetitive. It's meant to be consistent. 
that whether you're in a good day or a bad day, a bright sunny day, a dark day, whether you need help or someone else needs help, in all these things, we need to shine. We need to shine into all of those situations. But not just us. We need to shine Jesus' light in all those situations consistently. Not just speak his truth, not just show our light, but to do both. And I don't care whether, who it is. I don't care whether it's our friends, our families, our people at work, guys from Ethiopia. I don't care. Everybody, everybody, we need to shine light into their lives because we all need to see the light, right? Okay. In, in God's lunar flight operations manual that we were talking about before, in, in the Bible, we see a lot of things that help us to figure out how to live that out, to how to understand all this. In the book of John, chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. In fact, wait a minute, that's a treasure verse, right? Isn't that a verse that we had this week in VBS? Okay, let's actually pop it up there and let's see if we can try saying this together. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 8, 12, my mistake, you guys are good. You remember the verse? That's good. Jesus doesn't just want to help us He's not just a really nice guy or even just a really wise guy. Jesus seemed to think he's the light of the world. Just like the sun lights our faces, Jesus lights our spirits. And he says, that's what I'm doing. And he continues, he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but they'll have the light of life, no matter what you're going through. He doesn't say, whoever follows me into the light will have the light. He says, whoever follows me. I don't care how dark the world is around you. You carry that with you. You have the light of life with you. And you're never going to walk in darkness. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, you don't have to feel lost in the dark ever, ever. You can choose the light. But you have to choose the light. You actually have to choose that because it doesn't necessarily come naturally. And the light of the world is Jesus. He was born just like any other baby. He looked like any other baby. If you would have seen him in the major, he would have looked like any other baby. He grew up looking like any other kid. As an adult, he looked like any other guy. You know why? Because he was. He was just like everybody else. He was just like every other baby, just like every other kid, just like every other adult. It's just not all he was. He was just absolutely as human as you or me, but that's just not all that he was. Because John also says, and John was his cousin, so I think he should know. John also says in chapter 1 that Jesus was with God and he was God. And he was with God in the beginning. He's, he's been God since the very beginning. God in the flesh came that night at Christmas. From the very beginning of everything, God's light was shining, his word was creating. Because John goes on and says, through Jesus all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him is life and that life is the light of men keeps coming up in the Bible. He's not just smart. He's not just nice. He's not just clever. He's the light of life. He's the light that brings light to the world over and over again. In fact, John says that light shines in the darkness. Anything good in your life, anything life-bringing, Jesus built that. So when we, when we pray for an offering, when we pray and say, thank you, Lord, we're saying, thank you for all these good things that you created. And you go, yeah, he's already created all those blessings, all those good things. The very light that you see comes from the very sun that he sculpted. Everything life-affirming in your life, anything that is good, 
came from him in the first place. But in verse 5, there's that terrifyingly huge, tiny little word. The word but is this huge, tiny little word, isn't it? John chapter 1, verse 5 says, but, because everything pivots on that. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness hasn't understood it. Because turning on a light in a darkened room, that's great. You don't want to stub your toe. You like turning on a light in a darkened room, right? Cockroaches don't. They'll skitter to the corners because not everybody wants the light on. Not everybody likes it. Not everybody wants the light. Sometimes we're afraid to see what we've been doing in the dark, and we don't want to look at it. We don't want God to look at it. So we pretend it's not there. We pretend it's still dark. We might even shut our eyes. But John says, Jesus is, in verse 9, the true light. It gives light to every person, every man. Whether we see that light or not, it's there. You can shut your eyes and it's there. You can pretend it's dark and it's there. You can be blind and it's still there. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, John says, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but they didn't receive him. That's got to be heartbreaking for God to say, look, I sculpted you. I, I built you to be in relationship with me. I love you and I want to be in relationship with you. And sometimes, not just you got any of us, me, all of us, and at any given point goes, but I don't care. If you've ever been a parent and you say, I love my child, and the child says, I don't care. I don't care about you. It's got to be heartbreaking. If your spouse would say, I don't care about you, that would be heartbreaking. God says, I sculpted you because I love you. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. They didn't care. Verse 12 says, Yet, there's another version of that wonderful, huge, tiny, little, huge, big pivot word. But to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, to those who chose the light, he gave the right to become children of God. Imperfect, broken, darkened little cockroaches. All of us that like to skitter to the corner of the room. And God says, don't skitter. When I look at you, I don't see a cockroach. I see a beloved Child, I see my little girl, I see my little boy, and I love you. Don't run from me. The light's here for you. Don't run. This is yours. That's why Matthew, another friend of Jesus, could write in his gospel, his book here in the Bible. He quotes from the prophet Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 4, he says, The people living in darkness have seen a a great light. On those living in the land of of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Could you imagine living your whole life in darkness, living your whole life in a cave, living your whole life in shadow, and then suddenly seeing the sun for the first time? can't imagine what that would be like, and neither could you if beforehand, even if somebody had taken a white piece of paper and drawn a yellow circle on it and said, it looks like that. Does it look like that? No, it doesn't look like that. To look at it and to, to say, it's not just light that I can see, but I can literally, I can feel the light on my hands and on my skin. There's no way I could possibly have imagined that. And he says, that's what it's like. Of course, if you, if you had lived your whole life in a cave or in shadow, is that an exciting thing or a little bit scary to see the sun for the first time at noon? I mean, for some of us, we're pale enough. 
My children are almost translucent. The light can burn, can't it? Some of us, if you've been in darkness the whole time, you walk up and it can sting your eyes. Sometimes the light is uncomfortable. It's beautiful, but it can be uncomfortable. And sometimes the world says, you know what? I've assumed that this dim, flickering candlelight I've been living by, I assume that's light. I assume that's just fine. But that's not what you were sculpted to live in. This whole, I guess this is as good as it gets. God says, that was never the intention for you just to live in that kind of pain. You don't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to, even when the world is hard. You don't have to, even when the world is dark. Jesus is shining his light all the time. Like we talked about in VBS, even on the darkest, cloudiest days, when the world seems the gloomiest, the clouds may obscure the sun, but it's still there, right? Isn't it? The sun is still always there. Matthew says, and it's dawning on it. You just have to look higher than the clouds. Which means that technically, every day is a sunny day, isn't it? Every single day of your life is a sunny day. If you were to look high enough. Don't just get lost in the storm clouds. That's what you're judging by? No, no, no. It's a sunny day. Some days it's harder to see it than others. We're not designed just to look at the storm clouds. We're not designed to be sculpted, to just stand here on earth and say, this is all there is. But we're supposed to be looking at it and saying, the whole cosmos was created by my God who wants to be my dad. Even at night, does moonlight exist? Is there such a thing as moonlight? No. No. Moonlight is just sunlight reflected off the surface of the moon. Even at nighttime, when you see the moon, you're reminded the sun is still shining. It's always there, no matter what. In the same way, we can reflect God's light to the world around us, to this darkened world, even when it's gloomy, especially when it's gloomy. We can say the sun is always there. The sun is always there. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us as Christians how we're supposed to live and that we're supposed to live with genuine love for everyone. In Romans chapter 12, he says, love must be sincere. You should hate whatever's evil. You should cling to whatever's good. You can focus on the darkness and prefer it like somebody skittering into a corner. You can focus on the clouds and get lost in it and just grumble and rumble along with the storm clouds. Or you can focus on shining Jesus' light. So he says, I want you to cling to what's good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Get past you. Fly higher than the storm clouds. Shine Jesus' light on one another. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep on shining, showing and telling. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Keep talking to God. Share with God's people who are in need. Help the people around you. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless. Don't curse. Don't be the darkness that you're not enjoying. Don't do that. Maybe the rest of the world likes it dark. Maybe they don't know any better. Maybe they're just too scared. But if you've got God's light in you, live like light. Don't live like dark. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Hey, that's another treasure verse. Was that another treasure verse? Should we say that one again? Let's say this together. Live in harmony with each other. Romans 12:16. That's another Bible verse that the kids learned this week. Live in harmony. Live in such a good in such a way that your life 
alongside other people's lives harmonizes. The melody of your life works with the melody of their lives. If there are any discordant elements, live in such a way that it's not coming from you. If, there, if you're chafing, make sure that you go, as much as I possibly can, I'm not the one chafing with you. And I want to help you to stop chafing with me. I can't always make that happen. And it doesn't mean we should always do exactly the same thing all the time, right? You musical people, I asked this last week, is that harmony? If we all sing exactly the same notes at the same time? No. I can look different than you can. I can act different than you can. I can dress different than you can. Fine. But can we be in harmony with one another? As far as it's up to you, how about you try? As far as it's up to you, live with everybody. Love everybody. Forgive everybody. Embrace everybody. Well, by that, everybody. All the time. Doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. In fact, if you love somebody, maybe say, please don't stick a fork in your eye. But love and embrace everyone. Don't be proud, Paul says, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody, which that doesn't mean do what everyone around you seems to think is the thing to do. That's not what he's saying. You can't do it that way. There's too many versions of that. You can't ever do what everybody around you thinks is good. Plus, morality can't be based that way. If, if morality is God's thoughts lived out here, that can't be decided by a committee, and that can't be decided by a fad. It can only be decided by well, whoever designed the mission. Who designed the mission? That would be God. So how about we let him figure that part out? But what he's saying here is, I want you guys to live in such a way that you're always doing things in private and in public that everyone can see and ultimately honor God with. To say, you know what? This person genuinely tries to live this out all the time. Make harmony your priority. That's what you were designed for. He says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Who? Everyone. Everyone. If you tried, let's be honest, you don't have to try super hard. If you were to try, I bet you could find somebody in your life that you could think of that you go, does everyone have to include her or him? Does it? Does it? Yeah, it kind of does. So you've got to stop and say, am I focusing on Christ's light or am I rumbling alongside with the storm clouds? Am I actively trying to love or am I passively letting bitterness kick in? Am I chafing with people because I'm chafing? And even that, can I, can I honestly say, I'm not the one chafing. I am genuinely trying to seek out joy. Not even trying to be understood or trying to be made right. Joy. I'm looking for joy. I'm trying to seek peace and pursue it. I mean, Jesus loved Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? That wee little tax collector guy? Remember? Did you guys talk about Zacchaeus this week? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus loved Zacchaeus, even though Zacchaeus is literally selling out his own people to the Romans. It's like somebody in Ukraine helping Russia at the moment and making money off of it, war profiteering. That's Zacchaeus. And Jesus said, you're the person I most need to love here in this town. And what was the result? Instead of him just saying, you're scum, the result is that Zacchaeus praised God. And Zacchaeus gave half of his money to the poor and repaid everybody who'd ever given him a dime. He helped everybody and he spoke and showed, show and tell, Zacchaeus showed and told Jesus to all those people around him. 
I love that. That's a huge part of loving God, loving one another, is praising God. I mean, there's a whole big thick chunk in the Bible called the Psalms, which is a fancy word that just means worship choruses. These are choruses where people are praising God. Psalm 100, verse 1 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Hey, wait a minute. That's another treasure verse, isn't it? We had that one this week. Let's say this together. Okay, let's say it together. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Psalm 101. Yeah, that's exactly what God wants us to do. That's one of our treasure verses. In fact, that psalm, we'll keep that up for a second, keep, keep thinking about that, but the song keeps going on. It says, worship the Lord with, with gladness. Remember, worship, ascribe worth to God with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs, not... Be happy with this. Know that the Lord is God. He's the one who made us. We're his. We're his people, the the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name on Sunday mornings. All week long at VBS. Anytime you come into a church building. All the time. Shouldn't that be something you do when you wake up in the morning? Say, you know what? This is a beautiful sunny day. Somebody look at you funny and they go, it's a hurricane. You go, but above that, but above that, it's a beautiful sunny day. Your life is in a hurricane, but above that, it's a beautiful sunny day. Can I take this into a business meeting with me? Can I take it to school with me? Can I say, Lord, even this is something you're giving me. Thank you for being cooler than this situation. Help me through it in everything that we do. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be all the time. Knowing God and loving him and praising him. It can't just be a worship service thing. Any more than me loving my wife can be something I do when we're on a date. Well, we're on a date. I might as well tell her she looks pretty, whether she does or not. That's the wrong way to look at this, isn't it? If my Yes, she says. <laughs> if I love my wife at all, then I should love her at all times, shouldn't I? If I love my God at all, I should love him at all times, shouldn't I? If my wife is worthy of my love ever, she's worthy of my love always. If my God is worthy of my worship ever, he's worthy of my worship always. So the the psalmist says, hey, do that all the time, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His, His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is cool. This is not a sometime thing. It's not a, well, they did that back in the Bible days thing. This is not a VBS thing. It's an everyday, continual thing. Because it's cool. And it's fun to pray, right? Uh, I'm going to say that again. It's fun to pray, isn't it? Hey, man. I get it. And I, I, I understand why it's hard to do that sometimes. But we all need to remember, if the Bible, if God's ideas, if, if what God is saying actually is like, a flight manual for our lives, then the degree to which we leave this and say I don't need it, our lives start falling apart, right? We start getting off course. We start screwing things up, and because we're not looking at it, we don't even know how to fix the stuff we're screwing up, which means we screw up more, which means it gets worse, which means we scramble more. Have you ever had a problem where you started scrambling, and the more you scrambled, the more the problem got bigger because you were scrambling badly? 
Raise your hand if you're human. Most of you are. Okay. All of us does that. All of us do that at one point or another where we're like, I, 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 I screwed up because I was doing something wrong, so I did something wrong to cover it, and that screwed it up more, and I dug myself in deeper, and now I don't know what to do. My whole life is in turmoil. You go, yep. What do I do? Well, stop doing all the stuff that got your life into turmoil. Stop doing that, and maybe say, well, does God have anything to say to this? Is there anything that we can do in God's wisdom to figure this out? For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. That's the way it's supposed to be. So the more we lose sight of God's life, the, the darker things get, and the darker things get, the more we lose sight. But once we go, wait, I need to focus on this, all of a sudden things start getting more and more into crystal, close, uh, crystal clear focus. So we don't want to just grumble at the darkness. We want to praise the light. When Jesus, we're told in, in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem the week before he died, a whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise at God in loud voices for all the miracles that they've seen because they remembered that the Lord is good and his love endures forever. That's cool. So they started shouting stuff like, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're excited because they see the light. I don't know if I've mentioned it. Not everybody wants the light. Not everybody likes the light. Because sometimes we feel ashamed to see what we're doing in the dark and we don't want to look at it and we sure don't want God to see it and so we want to pretend like it doesn't exist and we want to pretend like it's all still dark because turning on the light in the room is great except not for the cockroaches. And I, I know I've been one way too many times in my life where I said I just don't want to hear that I'm doing something wrong. So some of the Pharisees, some of these religious people came up in the crowd and said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They should have the decorum to be quiet and keep it dark because the light is garish and don't like it. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Remember when we wrote on these rocks in VBS? Remember when we wrote praises on these rocks? Even these moon rocks can reflect God's light to those around us, right? Even these can reflect the praises and say, God is cool. Absolutely. God is amazing. And if somebody goes, I really would rather you didn't tell me how awesome you think God is, like, then I will do so very, very lovingly and carefully. But I will do so. Because I'm not here to be quiet. I'm here to show and tell. So, yeah, I'm going to do it very lovingly and respectfully and very quietly because I know it offends you, but I need you to hear this because I, I think you're still in the darkness. John told us, you know, the true light that gives light to every man is Jesus. I don't want the world to walk in darkness. I understand that the darkness didn't recognize him, didn't want him. I get that. But he didn't come just for the people that wanted him. He came to show light to everyone. And as far as it's up to me, I want to show that. I, I understand that sometimes it burns. I understand that sometimes it stings. I, I, sometimes, sometimes it's hard. It's, it can be scary if you're not familiar with it. I get that. It was scary back then. They, they crucified him. They nailed him to a cross between two thieves and said, he's, well, he's too bright to handle. I don't like looking at him. Because to people who love the light, 
Well, if you're like me, you need the light to see. I need, need a good light when I'm reading a book. The irony is, to people who aren't familiar with light at all, when they see the light, it blinds them. The very thing that makes me able to see better blinds them because they don't want it. I don't want to live blinded. I know that if I can look at it just a little bit, I can see better than I ever saw before. That's what this is all about. You know, but they, they crucified him. They, they killed him the worst way that the Romans knew how. But even then, even knowing what was coming, knowing that he was going to die that way, even knowing that, Jesus had encouraged his disciples beforehand. We're told back in John's Gospel again, in John chapter 14, he said to his, to his friends, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Wait a minute, that's another treasure verse, isn't it? Okay, let's say it together. Let's say it together. Okay, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. John 14, 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. That's a good, that's a good water word. That's a good navy word. You don't necessarily think of it that way, but that's what that word troubled means. That churning water, that raging water, when everything is like, oh, I'm going to hit the rapids. He's like, well, don't. Don't let your hearts be churning and raging like that foam. Just like we said, go higher to see the sun. When the surface of the water is churning, go deeper. And no matter how big the hurricane is on the surface, let your submarine go dive deep. You know what it's like down there? Calm, like it always is. So it's like, no. When, the, when you have storm clouds, go higher. When you have churning seas, go deeper. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let the waters of your heart churn. Don't go dark when the world is dark. Instead, trust in me. Trust in God. Trust also in me, he says. In my Father's house, there's, there's so many great rooms, he promised us. God's got this. He's got you no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, you don't have to feel lost and alone in the dark. You can choose the light, but you have, to, you have to choose the light. You can choose to skitter, or you can choose the light, but you have to choose. And the light of the world is Jesus. He says, you know what, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me, so that you can be with me where I'm going. And you know the place where I'm going. You know where I'm going. And even some of his disciples are like, I'm not sure I do. fact is, you, you know where Jesus is taking you, or you don't know. You know him, or you don't. You know the light, or you don't. Some things in life are just binary. There's this, or there's this. Help me out, guys, VBS kids. Can you unpop a balloon? Once it's popped, it's popped. You can't fix it once it's done. You can't sort of turn on and off a, a light. You can't sort of light a candle or not. There's no dimmer switch on this part of your life. You either know Christ, or you don't. You know the light or you don't know the light. And he says, I want you to know it. You know what? No, no, I need to back up. Can you unpop a balloon? Once it's destroyed, it's destroyed, right? Jesus can unpop a balloon. What we destroy, he can recreate. What we taint, he can clean the stuff that we can never make whole again. He says, I will make it whole 
like you never even understood wholeness to be because I'm the one that created you in the first place. I can do this, but you have to let me. I'm not going to force myself on you, but I am going to be very clear. I'm going to be very bright about it. But he says, I can make this promise that whatever you corrupt, whatever toxins you fill your life with, I can take those things so far away. I'll take them so they never touch you again. I think of the Ethiopian eunuch who we talked about this week, who was riding in his chariot on the road, who was reading this scroll. Do you guys remember the Ethiopian? He was cool. He's like this incredibly important guy in Ethiopia. But being a eunuch, that meant that he had, he had given himself over completely to this, this foreign king who didn't know God. He had he'd become, made himself a slave so that he could get power. Could God ever worship could God ever welcome or, or allow to, him to worship somebody like this? Could he ever love somebody who had given himself body and soul to serve and be a slave to a foreign godless human king? Could God ever forgive that, ever love that? It's a legit question. So God told Philip to go up and talk to the guy. And what did Philip find out? He's not just reading a scroll. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. He's reading the Bible. He's reading the Bible and he wanted to know more. So Philip told him the whole gospel. I I assume Philip told him about how Jesus was killed by those who preferred the darkness. But he also told him how in a burst of light, Jesus didn't stay dead. Did Jesus stay dead? No. No. You can't keep God in the grave. It doesn't work like that. He told him how you could, you could repent. You could turn 100 degrees and say, I don't want to be the person I was before. I want Jesus to forgive me. I want that, that blood on the cross to wash me clean from everything I've ever done. He told him why Jesus died. Because it wasn't because he lost or because the Romans were so much stronger, but because he chose to pay for everything we couldn't. Just like I keep telling you, you need to choose the light, you need to understand the light has already chosen you. He chose you and he reached out to you and he said choose me back he said i want to wash you clean so that you never have to skitter to the corners again i want to wash you clean you can leave your lives at the bottom of a pool and come up something afresh and a new clean special born again so we're told in the book of acts in the bible as they traveled along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said well there's some water can i be baptized can i go under this thing of darkness and come up a child of light can i do that can i let christ wash me clean and i love the way it's phrased in the original it's this idea where he says is there any reason that a guy like me can't do this i'm talking to you as a christian are you going to make this easier for me or harder is there any reason why you would not be willing to baptize me that I can't become a Christian? Made myself a total slave, body and soul, to another human king who doesn't know God. Would God forgive that? They stopped the chariot and then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him because the answer to that question is no. There is no reason why anybody gets left out. If you choose the light, you get the light. It's not my job to judge anybody. God is already reaching out. So Philip says, nope, there's absolutely no reason why not. Absolutely, let's do it. There's no sin so bad that God doesn't love you and want to forgive you. There's no reason why you and I cannot choose Jesus right now. But But you have to choose that. 
God loves everyone, forgives everyone, wants to save everyone, wants to embrace everyone. And the Ethiopian church that was begun that day, when that Ethiopian eunuch went back to Ethiopia, that church is still going on. It is the oldest continuous church on the planet because both of these guys were willing to show and to tell. To tell and then to show. To say, there is truth and I know it. Let me live it out in front of you. Let me live like I believe it. Both of them. Just shine Jesus' light. In fact, we, if we have Jesus' light in us, if we do, we can do more than just reflect God's light. You can do better than the moon because you become a light as well. Not because we're so amazing, but because Christ's light is in us and flowing through us, so we just let it flow out. In the book of Matthew, Jesus himself said to us, you guys are the light of the world. We know that Jesus is the light of the world, so shine Jesus' light, but now we are also the light of the world. I hate to say it, but some of us Christians don't live very lightly. Sometimes people around us look at us and go, y'all pretty dark. But we're supposed to be the light of the world because we're supposed to be shining Jesus within us. Jesus said, you know, a city on a hill can't be hidden. You can see it from miles away. But neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, they put it up on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. That's physics. You guys do that. And you go, I try. I go down to the church basement and I speak very quietly in a Bible study. And you go, no! Put it on a lamp stand so that everybody can see it. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And that's another treasure verse, isn't it? Okay, let's say this one together. This is the long one. Do you guys remember this? All you VBS kids, I need your help because the adults won't be able to do it for so long without your help. Okay. Let your good deeds shine so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Good job. Live a life of show and tell. Live that out. Show Christ's light in your life. Tell them what light you're showing them, where it comes from. Do it repetitively. Do it consistently. I'm going to ask a question I don't want anybody from VBS to answer. So, there is one human structure, man-made structure, that can be seen from outer space. Do you know what it is? Just one. It is not the Great Wall of China. You cannot actually see the Great Wall of China from orbit. Everybody thinks so, and it's a legit one, but it's, it's, you know, it's not the pyramids. It's not even major cities. You cannot see major cities from orbit. You can't see New York from orbit. It's the lights. It's the grid of lights from major cities. When astronauts cross over, and they're in nighttime, and they go over a major city, they can see the lights. And we're not even talking like massive, huge lights. They're not special. It's just light bulbs. It's just the little lights. But all the little lights together, when all the little lights come together, because we might look at our lives and think, we don't have a lot of light to shine. We're just one person. We can only shine enough to fill the five feet around us. But all the little lights together, you can literally see from space. How much of a difference can you make just illuminating the five feet around you. And you're sitting next to somebody who illuminates the five feet around him. You're sitting next to somebody who illuminates the five feet around him. Just live like light, guys. 
Beloved, live like light. Live such good lives among the people who don't know him. That though they may accuse you of doing wrong, and let's be honest, if they like the darkness, they won't like what you're doing. But they may nonetheless see your good deeds and glorify God when he finally comes back. Choose light and reflect light. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to encourage you to pray with me. And I'm going to pray that, that God fills us with his light that God fills us with his spirit, that God forgives us for what we've done. Now, if you are a Christian, that means that at some point in the game, you, you said, that's what I want. I want God to change me. I want him to wash me clean. I want him to work in my life because I'll confess, I, I, I've made a bit of a mess of it at times, and I maybe need to listen a little better. If you're not a Christian, if you've never prayed something like that, if you've never prayed, God, I want you to show me how to... How to read your flight operations manual and listen to mission control, or to say it like like a theologian, I want to read your word and make you my Lord. If you've never prayed that, pray that with me. You don't have to, but I'm going to encourage you because there's a time when all of us were on this side. And Jesus said, I'm willing to die to bring you on this side. I want to make you my, my child and bring you into my family. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that even with everything I've screwed up in my life, so many things, you've loved me through it. Even when I haven't seen your light, because all I can see is storm clouds and churning seas, I, I thank you that you've always been there. Your depths have always been there. Your light has always been there. Lord, I pray, help me to see it better today. And I pray that you wash me clean. Forgive me because I don't do what you want me to do. I don't do what you specifically tell me to do. <sighs> Forgive me and wash me clean and take that stuff away from me so that that doesn't touch me anymore. And I pray that you help me to give myself to you so I can find freedom. Not just so I can be slave to another master, but so that I can say, I finally understand the mission. Help me to follow you. Thank you for wanting me, even me, to be your sister, your brother. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're a Christian and you want to pray with me or talk with me about that afterwards, great. If you've never prayed that and you say, I, I, think, I think I want to be a Christian, I want to be in this mission, come talk with me afterwards. But no matter what, live that out today. And don't let the day go out without you trying. Amen.